Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We begin by acknowledging the Gabi Gabi people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast episode is being recorded today and pay respects to their elders, past and present, and to their parents with children with disabilities. This podcast contains truth, laughter, and the occasional F-word, so it's not really suitable for children. Well, you probably won't hear quite so much swearing among the beans, you know. Well, yeah. Not suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit. Hello, peas and beans. Gary Bean here, welcoming you to this episode where I chat to a lovely dad, very interesting guy named Rob Hale, and I'll tell you about him in a moment. But before that, I want to let you know that I had the most fascinating and enjoyable hour or so just a few nights ago in a group conversation with some beans, uh, Daniel Davis Wood, Kirk Thompson and Dino Trenton and I got together across time zones. Daniel's in Scotland, just outside Edinburgh in Scotland, and, uh, of course, uh, the rest of us are down under. So it was 7pm here, 10am there. That didn't seem to be an issue, and uh, all of the technology behaved itself. And we spent about an hour or so uh, introducing ourselves to you, the listener, with a couple of interesting little exercises that I thought were fun, profound, And I think you'll find very interesting to listen to. For example, I asked each of the dads to canvas their wives beforehand with some questions. And the wives answered those questions. And uh, then each of the dads reported to the group what the questions were and responded. The first question was, uh, what kind of a musical instrument am I? or what kind of an animal am I? And uh, we were able to then discuss those answers and what that meant. And it gave us a chance, it's a bit of fun, but it gave us a chance to explore something about our personalities and our character and the differences that we, uh, we bring to the conversation. And I think you'll find that you will really just enjoy getting to know all four of us as dads. There are some 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 raw moments of, of expressing some very deep and um, important truths. There are some laughs. And there are some really interesting observations from each one. I've, I've asked each of these dads to, to do this as an experiment. Um, these are three of the dads who I have interviewed for Beans Talks over the past few months. There are, there are many others, and there are some other dads there that I would dearly love to invite in as well. But uh, four is really a manageable number. So I, I invited each one, Daniel, Dean and Kirk, and they all readily agreed, and it's going to be great. So what we're going to do is, from time to time, we will get together and produce a four-bean mix, especially for your consumption, for your enjoyment. 
and we will talk as dads. We will talk about dads as children with disabilities and additional needs. We will talk as blokes who are husbands and who are sons and who have the experiences that they bring together of a commonality, but also each as an individual. And I'm, what I'm really hoping is, peas and beans, are you listening? I'm really hoping that you will get in touch through a speak pipe or through an email or in the Hangout on Facebook and just pose some questions for the four beans. These can be real, let's stay with the vegetables, this, these can be hot potatoes. Any question you like, you know, uh, anything you'd like to put to the dads and uh, have us discuss, we'd be very happy to do it. It can be a topical uh, issue. It can be something to do with the way you are navigating your family's um, challenges and opportunities. It can be something about war, Australian men, about blokes, about husbands, about, you know, whatever you, whatever you think you'd like to ask us, we would love to hear from you. So we'll let you know in advance when the first four bean mix is available, and that's the one when you'll hear us introduce ourselves to you through these interesting little conversations that we had. It was great fun. And I'm very grateful to all three of the guys for being willing to get involved and to give this a go because I think it can be an important and an interesting and an enjoyable exercise for everyone, for those of us who are in it and for those of you who are listening. Today I'm speaking to Rob Hale. Rob is a a fellow podcaster. He has the Dadability podcast and he'll talk all about that in the uh, conversation that you're about to hear. I really did enjoy talking to Rob and I'm hoping we can talk again and I'm hoping we can sort of uh, support each other in our podcasting endeavours. So this is me recently talking to Rob Hale. G'day, Rob. G'day, Gary. Thanks, mate. Thanks for this. Uh, It's good to catch up with you at last. We've been playing tag... For a little while now, but uh, here we are at last. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, everything okay at your place? Everything is okay at our place, yes, so we're good. Okay, that's good to hear. And I've been looking forward to this. Uh, You're a fellow podcaster, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to talk about dadness, and we're going to get to know each other a bit. So let's start with the three icebreaker questions. Uh, Rob, where are you from? And where are you now? Well, I'm from Sydney, Gary, and I'm still now in Sydney. So I haven't really moved very far in my in my time on this uh, on this planet. So, um, in fact, um, yeah, I'm only ten minutes away from where I grew up in my family home. So with my other with my new family now. So come full circle almost. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And and so you have other family there in Sydney as well. I do, yeah. My uh, my elder sister and my parents both still alive, and they live, uh, yeah, they live just about ten minutes away. Well, that's great. And what about Monique? Where's she from? And uh, obviously, does she have family around her as well? Yeah, she does. She's um, she's from the Central Coast, um, uh, in in you know just outside of Sydney. So she's up there, uh, and her um, she's got some family that still live up there um, as well. But um, obviously now uh, closer to my family. So we did spend a couple of years living closer to her family on the Central Coast, but now we're, we're, we're back here, um, um, always trying to keep a, a little bit 
close to support networks with um, with the family um, dynamics. It's it's helpful. Um, so yeah, we're, we're grateful to be able to be close. Yeah, I was going to say that's such a huge thing being around family, especially if you're you know connected and you're getting on well. Okay, thanks for that. It's a good start, Sydney. All it's right. Okay. Well, we won't uh, we won't bag Sydney too much in this episode, <laughs> uh, although I might. But uh, anyway, that's fine. Uh, so listen, if you could if you could have someone over for dinner, whether they are somebody famous or not, whether it's somebody living or historical, who who who's somebody you would love to sit down and share a meal with? You know, there's there's a few choices, Gary. I'm going to be cheeky and try and narrow it down. But um, I, if I was in a bad mood, I, I'm a massive Seinfeld fan. So if I was having a really rough time when this dinner was on, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably be giving Jerry Seinfeld a call to come round for dinner. And I think that would be uh, a, a fantastic night I'd never forget. But if if I was feeling okay and I didn't need as much of a laugh. Um, the the inner athlete child in me would um, I grew up um, playing basketball, watching basketball, obsessed with um, Michael Jordan, the Bulls, um, and uh, it, yeah, it's hard to. He's kind of yeah, he was kind of a bit of a role model for me as I was a kid growing up and what he's achieved. So I, I think I couldn't go past him to be honest. I think I'd have to sit down with the great man. So do you still play? I I uh, in the driveway. Yeah, put it that way, <laughs> in the driveway. <laughs> You've got to hoop in the driveway. Well, that, that's oh, great. We do. That's good. Yeah. 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 My elder son plays and he plays pretty well. He's My older son is 16 and he's better than me at 16. Just ask him, he'll tell you. So uh, he he's uh, we, we've, we've gone some pretty heated competitions in the driveway on Christmas Day and Father's Day and birthdays. That's kind of when we, we bust out the one-on-one in the driveway to see who's, who's still who takes the bragging rights? Um, I, I hold my own, considering I'm three times his age. I hold my own, but um, he's very quick to remind me he's he's better than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes. Hey, um, and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, did you, did you ever see him do that routine about? Um, he, he gets very angry because he can't figure out where ants are going. You know, he have you heard that routine? He's where are ants <laughs> going? <laughs> you know, they walk, they well, they go in all different directions and they never seem to be going anywhere. You put your foot in front of it and it changes direction. So where was it going before? And why is it, where is it going now? You know, this is a bit, bit strange. He's, uh, yeah, good for a laugh. That's always good. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that would be an interesting dinner. Um, so let's come to the third question and we'll sort of start to drill down a little bit here. Why would you be called a bean? Uh, well, I'm a been Gary because um, our youngest son Leo, uh, he's he's five, going on six, and he has uh, a diagnosis of uh, ASD. He's ASD three, in fact. He's uh, nonverbal and doesn't doesn't talk um, with words at this stage, uh, although he can communicate in other ways. And uh, he's also, you know, more recently diagnosed with a, a moderate intellectual disability a, as well. So. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, uh, well, he's at almost six now and that, um, I think he was diagnosed, uh, about two and a half, um, was when, so we've kind of been, been almost, almost just over three, three and a half years kind of so with, with, uh, on this journey so far as a, as, as a bean and lived experience. And I kind of say to people that I, I probably knew nothing and I was quite ignorant, I think, to 
the disability community, certainly to autism itself, um, to, to many aspects that I'm now intimately acquainted with. I was I was certainly had no no real knowledge, so it's been quite. Um, I tended to immerse myself in everything to 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 accept it and to help and. Uh, it's been a yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, as I'm sure most uh, dads and beans can relate to. But uh, it's certainly, mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly, uh, I'm 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 better for it. I'm learning every day, and it's um, but it does have its challenges. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's why I'm a bean. I'm also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I got a uh, elder son, sixteen. He's um, uh, from my wife's earlier um, marriage, so I'm you know by by default stepdad to him. Although that's never really been a thing. In this household, I've I've kind of been his dad for the last uh, eight, almost nine years now. So um, yeah, so that's our, our little family dynamic: um, a teenager and a and a, <laughs> a five year old. So it makes for interesting both boys. But um, yeah, that's why I'm a I'm a bean man. Mm, wow, thanks, mate. Um, a lot there we can talk about. Yeah. Can we meet Leo first up? Can we so describe describe Leo to us? You know what what uh, gets this guy energized, and what what's what's he like? You say he's almost six, yes, uh, nonverbal. But let let's see, if I was to meet you and him in the park, who's this little bloke that I'm meeting? What's he like? <laughs> so he's a he's high energy. Um, he's uh, probably the most active uh, kid I, I I reckon that that, that goes around. He'd be hard pressed for someone to out out energize him. He's um, we we I remember a trip to the to the hospital once and we saw some of the things that the nurses wrote on his chart. He was in there for something else and they just wrote active plus 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 because he was just. <laughs> we found it hilarious. Um, he, he's very energetic. He's high energy, so he's 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 got a little top knot. Um, he's got this blonde blonde hair in a little top knot, so he's kind of quite a cool. Yeah, it's got a quite a cool vibe to him, um, but it's just it's kind of grown in his personality, ironically, because he didn't like us playing with his hair or cutting his hair, and and it just kind of it happened very naturally that his hair just became long, and and then we we, we kept it long, we put it up in a in a little top knot bun for him, and he's just started regulating on it and stim- using it to to calm himself, and it's now. It's almost uh, it's part of him now, almost, and that he'll he'll often play with it to regulate himself if he's having a hard time. So, if we if we don't put it up there, we we run the risk of him, um, you know, losing something that that he needs to help himself. So it's just kind of who he is. But he's kind of uh, I couldn't imagine without it. So, but he's high energy. Um, he's very active. His favorite things include you know jumping, bouncing. You know he he's he loves balls, all shapes, all sizes. He loves a trampoline. Um, he loves running. He loves being chased, um, and, and he just, you know, he almost acts like a ball, like a ball. To be perfectly honest, he's um, <laughs> he likes to bounce himself up and down and, and and jump around. So, but he's very kind natured. I think he's a big lovo. Um, he, one of the things he learned to do very early on was um, when he shifted from being focused on objects to being focused on on faces and we tried very hard and worked a lot lot with him to get that get that um i suppose progress for him and help him on his journey but he's um he's he's he learned to <laughs> he learned to respond to kiss so he actually do it to a stranger uh, even if you wanted to so if you met him in the park gary and you let down and said leo kiss he'd actually give you a kiss on the cheek um uh, wow. so really? yeah he's yeah he's very affectionate like that and he's just got a 
I suppose the other thing about him, he's just got a he's he's got a very happy demeanor. Like he, he he wakes up giggling. So so we'll hear in the house when Leo's awake because we'll hear this giggling and laughing and playing. So that's his demeanor. That's his default status. He's he's got a happy disposition, mm. which is very I'm very enviable of because he's <laughs> it's it takes a lot to um you know for him to not be that way like that's his position so we're lucky you know we're fortunate in that regard because i think he views the world in a very um yeah very positive way in his world um and he's just curious as well that's the other thing that's that's that leo's about he's he's curious so he's interested in things in the smallest things in the detail of things he's very observant he likes to see what's going on at all times. Um, so visually, he's got quite a strong stim that he does with his hand, but but it's always to try and increase the visual stimulation he's getting. So, um, yeah, he's quite visual in that regard as well. I always love listening to someone describe their child, no matter who it is. Mate, that was just gorgeous. Thank you. That's, um, I feel like I've met him a little bit. And that, 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 that was the idea. And, uh, you know, everyone's been listening and smiling as you've been talking. How do you, how do you keep up with all that energy? Like, so does he sleep okay? He, he actually is one of his strengths. Um, maybe he gets it from me. I've always been able to fall asleep any time. But he's, um, we, we started, we, we had him on a good routine long before his diagnosis. We, we kind of got a few tips from midwives, et cetera. And very early on, we had a nighttime nighttime bath routine, bed routine that made him, uh, I think, very accustomed to to what that looked like. So um, to this day, it's one of his strongest routines and people with um, uh, children with ASD will realise that routine is a, is a huge thing for them mm, and he's, yeah. you know, to the point of blinds down, lights dimmer, bath, dinner, bed, in that order. Um, yep. And if he yep. ever wakes up in the middle of the night, which is very rare, we actually just replay that routine and he goes back to sleep is in the right. sense we would we, we would put him in the bath, he'd watch a bit of TV, has something to eat, and then he'd go back to bed because that's his – he's quite locked in on that routine. So he'll sleep, to be honest, mate, I'm sorry for everyone else listening, he'll sleep about 12 hours a night straight through. Yeah. So yeah. – but I would too if I was him and I'd done what <laughs> he'd done during the day. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, he's burning a lot of energy. So you and Monique have been able to at least keep up with your own sleep uh, along the way. That sounds that sounds like the case. That's great. Uh, what about during yeah. the daytime, though? I mean, he, he's he's never going to stop during the day, by the sound of it. So how do you, how no, do you cope he, with that? He doesn't. Um, we we've got into a bit of a groove around um, a a rest. It was a nap, um, and he's always been okay for a nap when he was. At home, and he wasn't at a, a daycare when he was younger, or when he, you know, now he's at school, he's in kindy, so it's mainly just on the weekends and school holidays. But we can we can get him again because he's quite drilled into that routine of nap from a younger age. We can get him in for about an hour and a half rest in his room. Um, but you know, to give everyone a visual, um, Leo's bed, if you like, is a is a oversized giant cot. So we built a. Um, as he was transitioning and he became too big for a cot, we kind of upgraded to a single bed. But um, we're so worried based on his communication uh, or, sorry, lack of communication and inability to understand that he has to go back to sleep and he can't play and he can't get up whenever he wants. 
um, that we kind of just grew his his cot, if you like. So we built a um, a custom kind of fence that was that looks exactly like a cot around a four post kind of house looking bed, um, and that's what he's got to this day. So he. Um, yeah, he, he sleeps in there and he likes it. He likes the security and the comfort of that space. It's his space. He takes, we say, what do you want to take with you? And he'll take some toys or he'll take some food or both and um, chooses it each time, knows it. And he, he just views it now as um, time to himself to the point that um, it's much as it's good time for us to give a bit of a breather or my wife particularly, um, who does probably a little bit more um, of that on the on the school holidays, et cetera, and the weekends. But it's um he he likes it and he'll usher us out if we're hanging around too long and he wants his space and close the door. So um <laughs> yeah, that's that's helpful for us. Doesn't mean that he doesn't request things, Gary. Like he'll still have us beckoning on uh, he'll just he has got about six sixty different ways of saying ah because he doesn't talk, he's he does yeah. still vocalize and he'll ah ah oh. ah and it's just the tone. Okay the speech, the pitch, the urgency, we have to interpret the different meanings of ah. And, um, yeah, he's known to do a few up in his bedroom um, to request, you know, a drink or <laughs> or um, a balloon or something that he wants us to, to get for him. <laughs> he'll, he'll beckon us like a, um, like he's a king sometimes. You say sometimes he's a bit of King Leo. He'll beckon us up to to do something for him with a, with a, with a vocal request. So, um, yeah, it's quite funny. I do like King Leo. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you about communication. Obviously, he's cool with uh, understanding your communication and you have ways to work your way through the day with understanding him. So do you feel like that's getting better or as he gets older? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say slow progress. Um, reflecting on it, I'd say slow progress. He's because uh, so, he's always been quite visual, and we've known him to be quite visual. We've tried to play into that as as best we can. Um, so he started um, with with PEX. He started with PEX and using the picture exchange system. Um, he also um, he didn't ever progress to building sentences, but he could certainly pick it up, look at a picture, and point it and identify it. Um, and he understood that and, and, and the handing of the picture to us, he could come and find us and, and give us something. And um, so that one he kind of was able to do. And now at Kindy at, at, at his um, uh, special school that he goes to, they use Proloquo um, to go, which which some some parents I'm sure are familiar with in yeah, terms of that, absolutely. that yep. app. And uh, again, he's not in sentence sentences. He's just in a, he can't do a I want X um, water, but he'd just go straight to water, for example, and, and press that. And he'd um, so visually, he's he's super strong. So um, we use that as a strong communication cue, but that also means without even saying anything, so non-verbal visually. So he can, yes, he can point at pictures or help us there, but he can I say also things that we want if we want him to see something or not see something, we have to either put it out or hide it. So. Anything that's out is fair game in Leo's world. Anything that's away, um, yeah, so, so so we have to use that, and we we find ourselves, you know, clearing the tables um, because we're worried that if he sees it and he can't have it, that's going to risk a, a huge communication issue for us. Um, so we kind of, um, yeah, we're very mindful of what's around visually for him to see and what his cues are. To the point, Gary, that getting him ready for school, 
there's a whole visual cue set up that goes with that. So there's a specific table that we'll put his school uniform on and we'll do that 30 minutes before we need him to get ready. So he clocks it and realises I'm going to school. I, I can see that coming rather than jump it on him and say it's time for school and try and get him to transition that quickly and process everything. It, 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 we've just learned a lot um, about how we need to work with him, which, you know, again, most most uh, parents of kids with ASD3 particularly might understand that transitions are a huge challenge for many of us. It, it certainly is for Leo. We've learned that the best way to help Leo with transitions is give him the time, not surprising. So we'll, everything's kind of down to a time for us. So we'll get him up an hour and a half before he needs to go anywhere. He needs that time. If it's shorter than that, we can expect challenge we can expect pushback when we can expect disruption um he's not ready he hasn't processed it yet so again we try and put things out there visually to help him and help us uh, and that tends to tends to work it gives him that element of routine as well uh, and he can plug into it a little bit so visually we've worked quite hard as well but Leo's quite resourceful so he'll um um if he can get it himself or he can do it himself he'll actually go and do it as in open the fridge, get 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 juice out, open the pantry, get biscuits out. He'll he, he'll just kind of he's quite self self um, driven in that regard. Like he'll if he can do it, he'll he'll want to do it because um, that's easier than 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 I suppose communicating in many respects. He can just go and do it uh, himself, and he doesn't have. He's still got a lot of. Um, uh, he, he might sound quite independent. He's far from that um, when it comes to um, food. And playing, he's got a good level of, of of dependence. He can get his his toys. He can play. He can he can get himself um, things if he's hungry or thirsty, etc. But when it comes to his own um, self care, he, he still relies on us for dressing, for changing, for you know, um, hair, every teeth, every, everything. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how we we're, we're communicating with him. But I suppose, yeah, he's uh, it's progressed, Gary. It's progressed, but. Um, and we've got our own thoughts on communication and that we um i think we we we've we've got a i don't know i don't know if it's an interesting outlook or attitude as as parents but it doesn't actually bother us whether leo talks it it we're we're more interested in like we don't have that as a goal we're not hung up on that and we're not i we i certainly don't yeah. have that belief we've we've more uh, let's explore every option let's see what he gravitates to let's find what works for him and let's keep you know, feeding that and see what happens. And if he if he talks, yeah. fine. If he doesn't, fine. But we're certainly not going to force. This is the way you'll need to communicate. We're just waiting to see which one he prefers. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fantastic, mate. Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, communication is far richer and deeper and broader than words. Even though words tend for most of us to be uh, at the centre. But yes, it sounds like you communicate. A lot and really well, but it, it raises the the question for me. Obviously, you in your home, we, you and Monique can control all, a lot of things and um, assist and make sure that you smooth the way and the routines there and so on. How how's his experience of school been? It's been um, very interesting for us. Um, it, it's been a little bit disrupted by by illness from himself and other kids, which has been a bit. Frustrating, um, but, but by and large, um, 
it's been interesting in the sense that we've learned that he's got probably some of high, some of the highest support needs at school out of his class. It's, it's a small class. It's a great school um, that specialises in in um, in kids with with disabilities. But he's he's got a class of nine with a couple of teachers' aides. So it's well staffed. But he's still you know when we went to meet the teachers and understand how's he going and what's happening and try and get a sense of it because whilst they send pictures throughout the day, it's kind of a snapshot in time. It doesn't really tell us you know what's really happening and we've yeah we we've we've seen that you know they're probably pushing leo harder than what i suppose i've done what we've done at 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 home in that in terms of in terms of his learning which is kind of the whole point right um they they probably know best um but they're certainly pushing him to do to do different things and make progress in terms of in terms of his learning and and his skills and Everything that they need to be doing, so I think he's he doesn't cope with all of it. He certainly do they has, communicate um, with you about that, or do you have have opportunities yeah. to talk about that with them? Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I mean, they'll 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 send us uh, an individual kind of summary each week and on how his week's gone and what's happened. And at first, I was a bit, you know, we read an email once that was like Leo's been, you know, just he's been very uh, upset and frustrated. He's had lots of, you know, overloads. He's he's been quite physical with 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 the kids and with us and I kind of read it and thought, "Oh, I've got to I've got to fix it. I've got to call them. I've got to talk to them about it. We've got to work on a strategy together." And I I jumped to a conclusion that, you know, I needed to do it and fix it. And in fact, um when we end up speaking to the teachers, they were it were very much uh, no. We're just letting you know we've got it under control. We don't. <laughs> here's the plan. Here's the behaviour plan. Here's the here's the approach we're taking. Here's how we're working him through it. So it was just wow. It, that's yeah, that's it, quite it, a moment. And do you yeah, trust them to be to be? I do. On, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I I do. And in fact, I think um, they're they're playing an important role for Leo that that we probably um, really yes. need. Um, yes. Because. Yes. Um, I'm, you know, my wife's tougher on him than I am. I'm probably a bit softer on him than, than I need to be. But we learned a long time ago from our Leah saw, saw a behavioural um, therapist for for most of his from three to three to six, three to five, and she's been fantastic for him in helping him and helping us with managing some of his tougher behaviours when when they happen. And um, she said to us a long time ago, like you guys are sometimes you have to be aware that you're you're enabling it because you you don't say no as often as you might need to. And that's you know probably more directed at me. <laughs> um, I, I, I you know I, I kind of always want the the time to be fun and enjoyable, so it's hard for me to say no to him sometimes. But in doing that, it enables this this he, he doesn't learn the boundary. He doesn't learn the when when it's okay, when it's not okay. And I can't just walk on eggshells just for fear of saying no because of what that what that may do, um, which it has done. And and Leo at his worst has been you know he he's. Put his head through a glass window, Gary. He's in his room. He's he's head butted oh. um, many things in his in his younger days, as when he had probably more communication issues and frustrations than he does now. He certainly certainly uh, improved, but um, because of those experiences, I think naturally we're very mindful, and I'm certainly mindful as a dad. Like I, I'm trying to avoid them where I can, and hence you learn the different ways to communicate, the different things to do to try and minimise those. So I think long way of saying that I think school's playing a really important role that helps us and makes it easier because he's hearing, no, you can't go outside probably 10 times before lunch because he just loves outside. He's probably hearing that. So he's, he's, he's getting used to the 
more structure, more routines, more things that more boundaries, which then means that we have noticed a difference at home since he started kindy that he's able to cope better with demands and instructions than than he has been in the past. And I think that's just because he's just learning that it's not all King Leo's way the whole time. So school's school's certainly helping in that regard for us. Mm. Okay. And it's just the start of that journey yeah. for him, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, but, you know, it's nice to hear that there's a communication going on with the school, that you trust them, that they're listening to you as well, um, and that you're – uh listening to them i i this is a realm i have no personal experience with so i'm sure. in awe of what you and monique are contributing to his life let me let me ask you you said that um he has a happy disposition and we get that <laughs> do you oh you know what i've i've um i've had my moments gary and it's um i you know i kind of i can look at my own kind of life to now, I'm 42. Um, I, I look at it now as, as, as a couple of different defining moments, and I, I didn't have any 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 kind of kids in my life, including my eldest, uh, up until 34. So, um, right up until 34, I would have described myself as super positive, super happy, very optimistic, always glass half full, and and you know very uplifting kind of kind of a guy. I'm still positive. That's still a, a, a trait I have, and I'm still you know always use my sense of humor and have a laugh and keep it light. But um, I think ha- having kids and my first experience, obviously with Riley, that was, it was, it was great. It was just more of a play partner and a friend to him as coming in as a, as a, as a dad figure. And that was a great, you know, we built a really strong and close relationship in, in that respect. And um, again, nothing really changed in terms of my disposition. I think um, I had a little bit of postpartum depression after Leo was born, which kind of threw me because it was my first experience into, um, you know, a, a actually even trying to understand sometimes mental health won't always be be perfect. And that that threw me. Uh, you know, I had, I'm very proud, I'm very um, driven, very, been quite successful. So I kind of put high expectations on myself as a dad. And, and so when that, when that happened, it threw me. It had an impact on my work at the time, had an impact on my family at the time. And so, but it didn't last, thankfully. So that was that was fine. And then I think when Leo's diagnosis happened, again, you know, that's every 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 parent goes through different stages in terms of acceptance. I think, you know, I still stand by that I accepted it fairly quickly in the grand scheme of things because my my motivation for for Leo was to try and help him as whatever I could do that just this provider kicked in of okay just got to help him whatever I could do but um you know over time unbeknownst to me um I I was changing from a more of a happy positive person to someone who just wasn't coping um and and it got progressively worse like a frog in boiling water kind of thing um that I couldn't see it as much on the outside um as what um uh, Mon could and, and my family and other friends could like that they could see it more than I could and I was probably in a little bit of denial of how much it was affecting me and so it did get to a point last year actually Gary in August so it's almost almost a year ago now where um, it became far too overwhelming for me and I was just you know was super what I thought was super depressed and super um, uh, stressed and burnt out and I didn't really know what was happening but I just needed I actually thought I need to sort this out and my wife was great in helping me take us take a step to do that because I just you could just tell that I wasn't going to be able to fix it 
on my own and you know in her own way was able to encourage me to get it get me to see it and and get some help and thank god she did because i you know i didn't realize how much i needed it so i ended up i ended up checking myself into a um a mental health clinic um to get some professional help and just say to um you know psychiatrists and psychologists like tell me what's going on i need to understand it because i you know i can't this is a it's a marathon not a sprint like i'm not I'm going to have work, I'm going to have Leo, I'm going to have challenges for the rest of my life. It's not going to go away next month. So I need to be able to equip myself better. So I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was two weeks where I really kind of um, did a lot of work on myself. I think they described it as the equivalent of about 52, it was about 52 hours worth of um, psychology and, and therapy, individual group therapy is very, very good um for me i didn't know what to expect but i certainly i certainly got a lot of um i suppose skills and things in uh, that i can now take with me and i'm certainly stronger for it better for it um in my mind to be able to cope with some of these challenges but yeah what what uh, most people probably haven't heard it, but i was um the, the diagnosis for myself at that time with the psychiatrist said that i had a adjustment disorder which is um a form of uh, everyday PTSD. So PTSD is a traumatic event and then you typically um, get some after effects of depression and um, and adjustment disorder is almost the inability to cope with everyday life when it gets too too much and it's a, a form of depression. So that's um, I'm now on some medication, which is fine. I don't mind that. Um, I'm now... Uh, I do meditation, you know, every day to keep myself, you know, uh, much more in control of my mind. And it's it's a it's a daily, um, weekly, um, sometimes hourly challenge, Gary. It's not uh, it's not a, a done. I haven't just done it, and now I can just move on. I'm tested most weeks, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes the stress is from home. Sometimes the stress is from work. But then it affects how I am at, at, at home. Ultimately, I just want to be the best dad um, I can be and the best husband I can be. And um, I've certainly changed my priorities and my focus. And I've certainly learned some mm. ways to deal with stress better. But um, like I'm sure many, many people listening can attest to, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's so important to do some work on yourself if you need to, to not be too proud to get help or to ask for help and to just try and, you know, I suppose make some steps forward because if you, if as a parent um, to a child with a disability, if you're not able to, to kind of keep yourself going, um, it's so much harder to 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 be everything you need to be um, for your kids um, yeah, and for your yeah. wife or your husband. Yeah, yeah, mate, you're you're obviously very self aware, and uh, you also care. I mean, you know, you take steps when you. Are aware that something uh, needs to be addressed. I, yeah. Can I say good on you? I mean, th- that little description of what has been a profound twelve months, you know, yeah. or so, um, is uh, is a gift. Thank you for sharing that. I, I guess did that um, did that kind of process begin the the journey into dadability? Is that is that part of why yeah. you have have done dadability? Explain dadability yeah. to our listeners. Yeah, sure, sure. It, it, yeah, absolutely right. That's exactly how it kind of started. So, um, um, yeah, Dadability is a, is a podcast that I've created fairly recently, and the goal is to connect um, other dads like me that 
that that get it that need a place to be able to to go to to listen and to share and to hear stories to to, to kind of normalize what dads are going through and and, and give a place and, and provide that support because what I you know I was so grateful for this the development that I did I suppose on myself uh, and it just unlocked something in me that I was like this is um this is important work is every dad doing this um it does every dad need to do it but you know <laughs> Probably, I think every guy needs, to, if, if, with disability uh, child or not, I think everyone needs to, you know, kind of work on themselves. But it certainly, yeah. my experience, my experience, Gary, is that I've been almost four years with 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 kind of this lived experience in the disability world, trying to cope, trying to figure it out on my own, and I was amazed at how many. Um, my wife has found some good good friends, um, um, also with uh, from from different therapies that Leo's done throughout the years, she's met some great, great mums that she can talk to, that she has really close relationships with, not so much from a play date point of view, but more from a uh, mum to mum when you need someone who knows, knows what you're going through or you need to vent or whatever. And and I think that was the pattern I saw, Gary. I just saw that was so easy. And then I thought, oh, there's nothing really like that for dads. And then when Leo started his school, um, it was great. I thought I'm going to be part of a whole community with dads like me. This is going to be phenomenal. And then I also realised that we had a parents chat um, with all the mums and me. <laughs> and I said to Mon, "How I said, familiar is that? What's, yes, indeed. What's going on here? I was like, there's no yeah. other dads in this. I was like, oh, surely there's more dads. And I think it's probably a mistake that I assume that every dad thinks like me and wants to be as involved or or whatever. But <laughs> I, it, I certainly learnt that there's different levels of um, involvement that dads want, um, different levels of advocacy or acceptance or um, vulnerability. There's lots of layers to unpack. So I'm certainly certainly aware of that, but I, I that was the motivation. So dadability was born out of the I'm um, I'm sick of it. It there being a lot more support for for mums and a lot more kind of information and and you know opportunities for mums to support each other. And I just wanted to have. Uh, a low touch vehicle, knowing that dads didn't want to get involved in a parents chat of a, of a, of a school where they you know they've got you know, their, their children at. I just thought, oh, just there's got to be an easier way. What, what what's low touch? Well, I can listen to something on my way to work where I don't have to tell anyone yeah. that I'm, you know, and, and just maybe take something yeah. from it. Uh, and so that's kind of been the been the the recipe. I've just tried to find dads that are happy to share their story to try and help. Everyone else realised that, man, I've gone through that. I'm going through that. Maybe if I did something there, that's a good idea. I, I, at least someone else gets it. So I'm, I'm also seeing they're not even talking sometimes to their to their wives, to their work. There's a lot of people that don't feel comfortable to do that. So that's what I'm hopeful, mate, with um, with yeah. that ability is that it just provides another option, right? Fantastic, mate. Good on you. So how's it going? Uh, I mean, you say it's fairly new. How many episodes are there? We, we can find yeah. them all wherever we find podcasts, obviously, but you, you, you feel good about the way it's going? Yeah. Well, yeah look, I, I feel good. I mean, it's it was just, a um, as I said, it's a it's a passion project of mine. It's just to really try and help help uh, help the community that I'm part of um, any way I can. And um, as I said, I've learned that not everyone's comfortable even talking or sharing. So I am. So I feel like it's a great use of uh, my time. It's going. There's 16 episodes now, so it's been going just over 10 weeks. 
Um, Fantastic. So, yep. yeah, so we're going well. We're going well. Um, and, um, yeah, I've just been really happy with the response. So it's, it's it's so rewarding, like the reward, Gary, when, you, when you know, I'm sure you'd, you'd experience this as well from, from doing this this podcast. Mm. But just I've had a few people reach out to me, complete strangers, thanking me, um, telling me that it's made a difference, that they've got something from it, that, you know, thanks for the conversation, it's inspired them to do something. And that's, you know, I, I would have been happy with one of those and there's been heaps. So I, yeah, that's everything for me, mate. That's, um, yeah. that's, that's enough to inspire me to, that it's, it's, it's doing some good and I'll keep going. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, good on you. I keep, keep on it because, uh, you don't know until over time how these things are going to unfold. And I've listened to a couple of episodes and I just think, you know, it's fantastic what you're doing. I, can you tell us what are the three B's at the end of each episode? Explain <laughs> that, unpack that for yeah, us a little yeah, bit. Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's, I find that, that little signature to be, to be wonderful. Thank you, mate. Yeah, the B's, the B's are, you know, I've, I've learned, you know, on this last, you know, particularly the last 12 months that, uh, it's it's more important to be a human being than a human doing, right? So, you know, everyone's got to-do lists of what they want to do and that's very much a, a work mindset and a work or a, or a life admin mindset. But who you're being and, and having a to-be list of how do you want to be every day, you know, your happiness should be more based on who you're being, not, not linked to what you're doing. And it's, you know, uh, might sound relatively straightforward, but, um, it's been a, it's it's a bit of a game changer, and if you like, and it's uh you know the three B's for me are, are reminders to myself as much as they're reminders to the rest of the dads. So I always sign off with um, be kind, be brave, and be present. And um, that th- what they what they really represent is to you know be kind to yourself. This is tough. This is tough stuff. Don't be don't set the bar too high and feel like you're failing. Just be kind and know that if you're showing up and you're in the arena every day, you know you, you, that's that's a great thing. So be, you're not always going to get it right. Accept it and and be kind. And then being brave is about you know it's it's doing things that you need to do as as a dad, as a parent, as a worker. Maybe it's sharing vulnerability. Maybe it's putting yourself in a situation with your with your child where you know it's it may not go well, but Let's give it a try. Let's expand their their world. Something it's it's being brave to make some choices that are going to be best for for you in the long term. And then the last one is being present. Right? It's it's so much of everyone's day is spent worrying about what's coming and what's happened. Um, and we're very good at it. Um, and that's what causes anxiety, right? And then stress, and people are thinking about what's next and and, and what didn't work and and what they're going to do about it. But we miss this huge opportunity to be present, and when you when you've got a child with autism, um, it is one of the they, they are some of the best teachers of being present. You know, Leo can, can be fixated on something that he just loves so much that you can't wave him; he's not distracted at all, and he's so present in the moment with such joy. And it's a great reminder every time I see him do it. It's a great reminder to me to just that's where the moments are. Just put the phone down, put the, you know, stop thinking about, you know, work or, or whatever it is and just spend that time. And ironically for me, be present so important is because that's when I can actually communicate with Leo the best. If I'm not paying attention, I won't yeah. see his cues. I won't pick up on his, his, his nonverbal and I, and I can't. So the hardest thing for someone to do would be to try and look after Leo without paying attention and being present. You, you'll struggle. So it, it's a, uh, Thankfully, he's a great um, 
<laughs> he's a great reminder of of being present. But yeah, they're the three Bs, mate. Be present, be brave, be be kind. Uh, look, I mean, us uh, us blokes are a really weird species. I, I I think you know there there are things about us that are really strange, and um, so to take on the um, the opportunity to maybe communicate with other dads and uh, make a difference, and also just be encouraging, is a like there, there's no real clear way in my experience of of how to do that. It, it because um, we are dealing. Men seem to be dealing with so many, like you said, multi-layered um, dynamics that it it's, it's really hard, often, for us to even get started. Now, you know, you said there's resources for mums, and I think that's because mums go looking for them, and they share them, and they communicate, and they don't seem to have a difficulty connecting and uh, being a tribe for each other, whereas we do, and. I so any attempt that's being made by a bloke for blokes uh, has to be applauded. What I noticed the most the most about those three Bs, though, which surprised me, and I, sh- I guess I should have thought of this, was uh, for you the be kind sounds like be kind to yourself. Yes, you know, understand yourself, be patient, etc. I was thinking immediately, okay, be kind to someone to else who's struggling with their disability or with your partner. Yeah. And, of course, I'm sure that's in there too. But be being kind to yourself. Now, here here I feel that men sometimes are mistaken. Like the, it's not selfishness. It's not self-centeredness. No. It's not arrogance or being up yourself. To be kind to yourself is a whole different order of thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, why? why and- why is it difficult for men to be kind to themselves and not and you know get through the bullshit and be <laughs> kind? Well, for from my perspective, um, my own my own experience in this is that um, what worked for me uh, in my professional life through work was actually being quite and through sport actually as a kid basketball etc was actually being quite hard on myself. Because if I had a high standard, I would want to train harder. I'd take tremendous pride in what I'm doing, very dutiful, and, and wanted to, to to achieve and keep achieving and and grow a career and be the best team in sport. And so I think because guys grow up in this very competitive, you know, typically sport is part of you know dads, but you know, and then in their their career, they've probably they've probably been held or hold themselves to high performance. Certainly it was the case with me and that, that always tended to work for me in my career. And then I went to just, I, I realized that I'm just trying to apply the exact same thing that I, that worked for me in my career on, on top of being a dad, it, it, you know, in, in the weirdest of senses, Gary, and it was such a, a breakthrough moment because I thought, hang on. So I'm expecting this high performance dad at all times. Um, you know, and, and my standards are I can never make a mistake. I've got to get it right. I've got to know what I'm – I've got to stay in control at all times. I've got to – you know, all these things that I should do and should expect of myself, and it's just – it's the opposite of being kind. It, it's it's the very reason why I ended up, you know, depressed because I just really couldn't – I couldn't reconcile that I was doing mm-hmm. a good job. So I would, I would either focus on the things that I – was doing and ignore it, which is a bad strategy, or more importantly, just beat myself up thinking that, you know, saying stupid things like, I can't do anything right. You know, I catch myself saying that all yeah, the time. Oh, I can't yeah. do anything right. That's, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not helping at all. I'm no help. You know, well, really what happened is you did one thing that could have been better. But over the last day, 
everything else has been fine. So why am I talking to myself like that? And I think it's, for me anyway, the the, the issue was I'd use that kind of mentality outside of being a dad and I just tried to play the same approach, right, which just didn't work for me. Yeah. And you would never say that to somebody else, the things you say to yourself. No way. You wouldn't hold somebody else to that account. No way. It's interesting to me that, I mean, there's no question us blokes can be complete dickheads and and there's no question about that and there's no excuse for it and it ought to be called out. But there are times when blokes are behaving in a way that is actually coming out of a, a, a sense of self-turmoil um, that um, they're not facing or not admitting to that, you know, causes dickhead behaviour. And I, it's so, so the concept of being kind first, I, I just love that. I think it gives somebody the chance to... Uh, get past whatever is uh, offensive or or derelict or whatever and find out what's going on for that bloke and why that's the way it is. Um, so, mate, you know, good on you. Uh, keep keep up the good work. Your podcasts are fantastic and I think, you know, Thanks, it, it, we'll make sure we put the link to it in our show notes and anything we can do to, you know, help you uh, with that journey as well would be would be something we'd like to do because it really is, as you say, important work. Can I can I ask you, if I may, how are you and Monique? Yeah. How are you, how are you doing? Yeah, look, we're, we're you know, I think we, we kind of, uh, we support each other and we have done every step of the way. I mean, I, I've got to give her, um, uh, I'm so grateful for the support that she gives me. You know, she's, she's the one that's brave enough to be able to tell me when, you know, she can see that I need help, or I'm, I'm like, what things I can't see in myself or my own mental health. So, without that, I, I, you know, I would, I, I don't know where I'd be. So she's, she's always in my corner. We kind of um, try and prop each other up. Although I think over the last, you know, year, two years, she's probably done a lot more of propping me up than I have of her. But um, you know, we're a good team, and um, we, we just, yeah, we just want to. We both stubbornly want to do what we can to support each other. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's one of the things we clash on. We, I want to put her first; she wants to put me first, and we don't want to give an inch. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, that's a that's a bit of an interesting way to way to to clash sometimes. But um, no, look, I mean, I think just ultimately we've um, we've we, we're I'm lucky in that we've both got a similar attitude in terms of how we parent. Um, how we how we've accepted you know Leo's disability and 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 what that means. So I think in that respect, um, I know it's really testing for some some relationships and some couples. Thankfully, we've 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 been on the same page um, at each step of the way. But but more importantly, man, I think we just um, yeah we just have to su- support each each other. Um, so she's you know she's got some mental health um concerns as well um she's bipolar too so um mm. you know we've got we've got to look after each other because um w- when we're at our worst um we we still love each other and we still you know can get through it find a way to get through it and obviously we're a lot stronger for some of the challenges that we've gone through and i think i thanked her not long ago just to saying like thanks for <laughs> at each one of these you know turning points or or key moments there's it's it's pretty intense at the time sometimes with 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 life and you yeah. could easily make a choice to say, oh, "I'm going to turn left while you're turning right," but we still keep turning the same way. So I'm, yeah, she's, I'm very lucky to have her, and um, yeah, I'm much better for it. Uh, so, 
behind every man is an even better woman, right? <laughs> well, exactly. And and we want to say good day to you, Monique. I know you're listening, and um, we've been, especially the mums, have been hearing um, about you and your role through Rob's words. And um, you know, all the very best to you. And you know, your husband says he's lucky to have you. That's that's a good place to start. Sounds to me like he's he's. Uh, He's been good to you too, as best he can. So it, it's um, look, we're, we're probably getting close to running th- to the end of our time here. Rob, was there something you wanted to say that we missed before you go? Oh no, I just think that I'd, um, you know, it's, it's, it's talked about a lot. I think with um, uh, in this space as I've started to understand it a bit more, particularly in, in connecting with other dads. But I, I know that. Everyone's got their own process and journey. I, I just think that um, the more people can um, be a bit more vulnerable a, 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 as a dad and, and find what that outlet is, if it's your wife, if it's your mate, if it's, you know, a podcast, if it's whatever. But just um, I just think it's so important to be honest with yourself and, and I'll be kind as well. But just just uh, so much I've learned so much about myself Um and I know it's a hard first step, but I would just say that, you know, it's it's important work. Um, this is not about, you know, growing yourself and reading self-help books. This is about you being, you know, the best the best dad and raising the best kids and you know, doing doing what you can. So I think as a, you know, that's the reason why I'm passionate about um, helping support other dads because I, I just see the value of what I'm able to do to try and help myself, but I just want every, <laughs> I'm just relentless. I just want everyone to, every dad to kind of see what I can see, mate, I suppose, and just be a bit more vulnerable and be a bit more there for each other. As you said, find, find the tribe, um, not in an excessive way, just in a way that's, um, that, that blokes need and um, in their own style, but just, we just got to, we got to be there for each other and we've got to, we've got to help each other because, um, we can't just do it on our own. And I just hate hearing stories of guys struggling, um, dads struggling in particular with their mental health or, or not, not feeling like comfortable that they've got anyone to talk to or share for fear, whatever their fear is, uh, just tra- whatever I can do to reduce that, mate. So just th- uh, to anyone listening who's kind of on that place and sitting on the fence and uh, I'd just say just you're doing the right stuff, just keep keep looking after yourself, Yeah. Rob, this has been an utter joy. Thank you, mate. I, I, I hope we can talk again because we really have only touched the surface on some of these things. And if you'll forgive me, um, let me conclude by hijacking your your motif. And I say this to you because you're a bloody good dad. I say you, this mate. to you and to everyone who's listening and hopefully to myself too. Be present, be brave, be kind. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Gary.